And all you hear is, yo, Rick. Right? Yeah. And so we both, I'm like, who the hell no Rick? Like, we're in Paris, like, Bercy Stadium. Who knows? We turn around. It's Steven Jackson. No. Oh, he played with y'all in DR, right? So he played with Rick and San Carlo, right? Uh... And, and crazy part about it is when I was in college, Steven Jackson was playing for the Nets. You got to handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you want to be judged on wood, brain, and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dime. Allow me to reintroduce myself, my name is Ho, H to the O-V I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the R-O-C, Ho I check chatter like a food inspector My homie Strick told me, dude, finish your breakfast Yo, what up? Welcome back to Dribbling Dimes. This is Manny Digital reporting live from the quarantine. <laughs> Yo, while our guest was raised in Washington Heights, he attended high school at Cardinal Hayes right across the bridge in the Bronx. Um, he, he did the commute, same kind of deal that most people, uh, not most people, it's probably too, way too uh, nice, but, uh, you know, Many of my friends, um, namely a guy named Jose Santos, another guy named yeah, yeah. Maximo Cabral, they too lived in the Heights, but also commuted to uh, Cardinal Hayes. So I'll make some noise for them. <laughs> uh, those are my UMass people. Shout out to them. Um, and, and, our, and our guest, you know, he, he, he has a brother. His brother happened to be an alumni of Dribble and Dimes. His name is Ricardo Greer. As you can tell, um, this episode is going to be a little horny. <laughs> nah, it's just whack. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was really bad. <laughs> um, like many, like like many, obviously this guy that lived in the Heights, uh, many currently are of Dominican descent, which is why we have him bookending our Dominican season here on Dribble and Dimes. Um, but first, some stats on the man. At Cardinal Hayes, um, I don't think he passed the ball very much. This guy averaged 22 points a game. God knows how many assists. And I'm sure his coach at the time, Tom Murray, was pretty proud and happy to have those buckets uh, participate in, in the game for him. It helped out a little bit. Yeah, just a bit, right? <laughs> he was known by many that I speak to anyway um, as a quiet assassin. So a real unassuming kind of cat with with similar uh, a seeming humility about him but on the court monster with us today is Rutgers alumni Mr. Jeff Greer what's up everybody glad to be here thank you for the invite absolutely go, man let's do this yeah yo so so just for the people listening right this is take two man we we had some unfortunate circumstances 
um, take place the first time. I mean, nothing, nothing super critical, guys. I'm sorry, that was a little, little misleading. Technical difficulties. Yeah, some technical difficulties, but to but, say the least. But we're back. We almost didn't make the cut. Like I got everybody ready. So as soon as we wrap, we're gonna edit. We're gonna go crazy, and then we're gonna release tomorrow. So this is okay. the first time that we do things this rapid speed. But yo, it was, it was it's important. So um, I appreciate it's you. Quarantine. It's, it's quarantine time. It gotta be crazy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so I'm curious, uh, I know we've, we've talked about your, uh, you know, globe trotting, right? So you yeah. played obviously overseas for many years. I think it was 16, 16 seasons overseas, a good portion of that in France, but yeah. your wife is from Hawaii. Yeah. You're from the U S you yeah. played overseas. How do you, in all of that, pick up a wife that happens to be from Hawaii Go overseas. Like how does all that materialize? All right. So, um, so when I was real young, I told my mom that I was gonna, the, I was gonna marry somebody from Hawaii. I know it sounds corny, but I really, really. No, did it doesn't that sound corny. Sounds kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so and and like it, Hawaii is the furthest place from New York, so I thought it was like, yeah, that's like, I right, that would be special, right? So my first, uh, my first night at Rutgers. We had we had to wake up at eight, so I was in bed early. I got a knock on the door at one in the morning, and it was a couple of the girls from the women's volleyball team. And they they knocked on the door. We opened the door. Me and my roommate, and um, they were like, "Oh, we heard there was basketball players on the floor." They had just come back from a road trip. Um, they had they volleyball started. Anybody doesn't know volleyball starts in college. It starts before people even get on campus, so they already start their season. So they had just come back from a road trip, and it was one in the morning. Opened the door. They were like, yeah, whatever. We just got back. We wanted to meet the basketball players. So we, we kicked it for a little bit. The next day, um, the, the girls introduced me to Megan, who's my wife. Mm. Um, so as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, damn. Wait, hold on. Time out. Time out. Let me ask you a question. Did you already yeah. know she was from Hawaii before you said, oh, damn? So, so coincidentally, they introduced me to her. As she was, she had just come out the shower. She had Hawaiian print shorts on. Ah. You know what I mean? Like it was. I I had a feeling like you know you can tell a Hawaiian like you know what they look like. And I was like, she's not. She's exotic. You okay. know what I mean? I was okay. I was gonna say at that point in time, you hadn't been to Hawaii yet, had you? No, I had never been. Okay. I had so, never been. So now it's and, easy because you're immersed in Hawaiian culture for you to exactly. be like, ah, right, that's. I mean, and this is probably now terrible. Now it doesn't seem too far. Yeah, but but for me, right? So I've been to Hawaii a few times and okay. we love it. But um before going, I would have assumed somebody who appears to be Samoan would be Hawaiian. That okay. would have been my assumption, right? So when you say you know, you could tell not you didn't say Hawaiian, but you know, if I was to say like, "Oh, that person's Hawaiian," back earlier before I went there, I would have thought, yeah. "All right, that's a Samoan." You know yeah. what I mean? I would have thought one and the yeah. same, but you knew she was exotic off rip. I knew, I knew she wasn't. So I knew she wasn't from the East Coast. I knew she wasn't anywhere from New York, and I, and I've been, I've been out to Cali. I've been a whole bunch of places. I was just like, she's, she's from somewhere tropical. Like I just knew it. Like I, you, you can, you can tell. Yeah. And then we introduced, and I was like, oh, where are you from? She was like, Hawaii. I was like, see, there you go. And then she asked me. I was like, I'm from New York. And then we were friends before anything because I was actually dating her her, her best friend. Oh, okay. 
and then um and then just evolved from there like you know her her best friend started you know, moved on it's crazy because her best friend actually married my my college roommate oh snap that's a, that's a lot of incest that. going on right there. I know, there. <laughs> I know. It's it's a lot of moving around, but it was, it was crazy. It was it was crazy, man. And t- 20, 20 plus years later, here we are. That's dope, man. Well, congrats. Yeah, man. I, I know marriages uh, can be difficult. The young yeah. the younger you become married, t- tends to be the more difficult those relationships are. Yeah. Uh, but it's I mean it says a lot that you guys are still you know doing it. It wasn't it, it wasn't easy. I mean. Having a girlfriend throughout college, I know. <laughs> See, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that because I don't want. Yeah, I, I don't want you getting in trouble. I don't need like yeah. Lorena Bobby's shit going on. Like yeah, I need. Yeah, I need you right. good. <laughs> right. my, wife's, my, my wife's crazy too. So, hey, uh, a a- anybody you push too hard gets crazy. So I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't play. I'm not playing no games. Um. So okay, dope. So like, I, I want to let's take a couple steps back now, right? So you. And your brother talked about this, and I'm curious how this impacted you, right? You you noted, you know, and it's, I guess people that listen to the podcast know this from his episode. Like, your mother passed when you guys were young. I, I think you might have just been 10 or 11, maybe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I know that was really difficult for you guys, um, but, like, your lives completely changed after that point, right? Um, they did, yeah. And I'm curious, and I know Ricardo kind of explained a little bit about how that impacted him. I'm curious, you, the the junior here, the younger brother, not by much. You guys are like a year and some change apart, right? Yeah, 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 year and a half, a little more. But I'm I'm curious, like what what was how was that experience for you? So I think I was kind of young, so I couldn't really wrap my. I mean, you know, people die. You know what death is, right? When you're right. young, but. It, I couldn't really wrap my head around it. I remember the day it happened. Um, I left the house. I can hear the, the ambulance and everything coming to, to the apartment and I left and I went for a walk and I don't know where I was going. I just know I couldn't be in the house. I couldn't see my mom that way, right? right. Um, and then I know that that day I had a basketball game. Oh, wow. I had a basketball game that day. So my aunt came over and she was like, you know, she was there and she was like, and I told her, I said, I have a game today. She was like, you need to go to your game. Wow. She was like, go to your game. She was like, I know this is what you love to do. Go to your game. But being 10, 11, you, and now, now that I know that as a parent, you want to keep your kids occupied. You don't want them to be thinking about What's the worst. Yeah, the worst. You know, the worst. So, so I went to the game, uh, played. I actually played really well. It was a championship game. Oh, um, damn. It was a I, big game, too. It was a championship. Now, I wouldn't have mentioned it, but it was a championship game. Um, she told me to go. I was like, I really don't want to. She was like, no, go, go. You don't need to be around this. You don't need to be around here. So I went, played, we won. And then she came to pick me up in a taxi. And on a taxi ride to the hospital, she told me my mom had passed. Right. Wait, so, so you, oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Damn. So, so we went to the hospital, whatever. The family's there, you know, tears everywhere. Um, so it, it impacted me really a lot because I was mama's boy. Like I was a mom, I was underneath my mom all the time when I was young. Anybody to tell you that? I mean, you um, were the baby, right? As your sister, I was the baby. I and was your the brother, one. right? Yeah. So I was underneath my mom all all day, every day. Um, so it, it impacted me. It hurt, but I was still young. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I really didn't understand what was going on. All I knew is that she wasn't with us anymore. As I got older, um, 
I think we had so much stuff coming at us. I know I, we had basketball. My sister took over. I'm sure Rick went over that. Yeah. She took over. She became the parent. Uh, like officially, like she had uh, gotten cu- actual well, custody. She was able to keep us in the house, which was the big key. Yeah. All three of us. And she had a baby. She was right. young. She was only 17. Right. And she had a, a newborn. She was able to keep us all in the same house, which was key because we didn't want to be separated or go into to my auntie's house or anything like that. Like we wanted to stay in the same apartment, you know, because that's what, what all we knew. Um, and so, so as I got older, you know, that, that void is always there, you know, yeah. but I think that you fill that void with good people, good people around you. And I credit, you know, I credit my sister. My sister's a, a superwoman. Like she, she took the reins, um, raised us, raised her little boy. We helped raise him. He took our last name because we were like dads to him, our nephew. Wow. Uh, he's in the, he's in the army now. We're doing really, really well. Um, yeah, so she she was a superwoman. I gave all credit to her. She is every anybody that knows me knows Jesse is the one. She was my agent at one point. She was getting me deals in Dominican Republic. She was doing everything, like for wow. real, for real. Um, yeah, she's she was so her. You know, as I got a little bit older, my 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 best friends, the twins, uh, Claudio and Jeff. Their mom was a big influence. You know, she's my godmother. Like, she, I would go over to their house after every day in high school. We'd go to, to her house. She would feed me, take naps over there, like, hang out. Like, I spent most of the time over there. Like, a lot of people in my life, man. Like, then once I got with my wife, my wife held it down, you know? Mm. So, but yeah, man, it, it, was, so that's, it was tough. It, it seems like it's a common theme, right, uh, um, in your life. Like, mm. women have stood up in in roles not not to say like they're trying to fill the shoes of your mom. That's like impossible. But yeah, it's impossible. But they happen to jump in and provide things that you probably didn't even know you you needed, right? Yeah, and and it's crazy how as a human being you you have that void, but you search for that, right? So my wife is a strong, strong woman. Like she's strong. I don't know if you've met many Hawaiian women. Why women are are they are strong women? Yeah, like they they hold you down, and and it was like from day one, it was like we we were friends. We every night we talk, watch, watch movies, like, and it's crazy how like without you even noticing it, you trying to fill that void that you lost years ago. You know? Yeah, yeah. This it's tough, man. So yeah. so your sister's impact on your life. Where would Jeff Greer be today? If his sister didn't step up, step up, shoot. And and I mean, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a seventeen-year-old person, right? Like me at seventeen, bruh. Don't count on me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Don't count on me to brush my teeth, let alone take care of a household, right? Yeah, like she, she, without her, I'm gonna just put it like this. So I grew up in the Heights, born and raised in the Heights, right? Everybody I know sold drugs. Yeah. Everybody I looked up to sold drugs. So if she didn't step up, I think I would have been doing the same thing. I would have been in the streets. As mm. as focused as I was on basketball, uh, and I got and and as as much as everybody took care of me, like everybody on the block, everybody that you know, all the all the the OGs that I knew, like. I think I would have gone down the same road because 
she was always that stabilizer. You know, she was always, as many fights as we got into, a 17 and 11-year-old that thought that he knew everything. Everything, yeah. Right? She was always the one to tell me. And now, as a, a grown man with my own family, you kind of get it. At some point, you get it. You know what I mean? You're like, damn, I was a, I was a, I don't know about you guys, but I was a, of course you can. You know, I was an ass. I was an asshole back in the day. You know what I mean? And now, now that I got my, my family, I'm like, man, she was, she was it. You know, she was it. Damn. It's crazy. Ooh, that's deep, man. I, uh, yeah. you know, you, you guys need to have a movie. Like you, your brother, your sister, the block, like your whole support system. Y'all need to have roles in the flick because this is like, this is real. Like your guys situation. And I don't take this lightly at all. Like your situation yeah. is an easy opportunity for failure. Right. Yeah. Like, and failure of the worst kind, like getting and caught it's a, up. It's a, it's a lot of stories like that in the Heights too, yeah. man. It's just the environment, the community, especially back in that time. Like it could have gone either way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. Well, I'm glad you're here now, and you yeah. you seem to be doing well. So I, I I'm glad for that. Yeah. Um, so so again, back back to the heights, right? Your brother went to G Dub for a hot minute, and then mm-hmm. went to Cheshire. You took a different path. Yeah. I have I I assume your conversations with your brother may have helped you decide where you wanted to go. But take me through. How you got to high school basketball, like what was your path getting there? You mentioned like at 11, you were at a championship game. So yeah. where were you hooping at that time and how did that progress? So I'm going to take you back to where I met the other influential, super influential people in my life, which is these are my, my ride or die dudes. These are my, my, my best friends. It's my circle. And that's the twins, Pops, Guillermo, Carlos, you know, Jimmy I met later on you know there's a couple other people in the circle but that's my my crew anybody that know me know that when they saw me back in the day if I wasn't with the twins and pops and, and froggy and, and Gio then something was wrong we, we was always together and y'all all so hooped together we all hooped so eighth grade eighth grade um St. Elizabeth right there on 187 and, and uh my, and wife, my wife went there okay so St. E's <laughs> back in the day they had a it's what's called a, uh, damn, I can't even think of the name. But they they didn't have a school team. They had a team. They could pick uh, uh, kids from from a certain radius around the school. Okay. Right? So I went, I went to IS-143. Okay. Right? So the coach, Al Morales, came over. He was like, you know, I'm starting this team. Um, we're having tryouts on this day. We're going to play for St. Elizabeth. We're going to play in the Catholic school, Catholic school, elementary school league. Right? You I was see, like, oh, you CYO. So, like that CYO type yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah. So we went to tryouts. Uh, Claudio went to IS-143 too. And he went to tryouts, one of the twins. So we both made the team. And then they, Claudio was like, I got a twin brother, Jeff. Jeff came in on the team. So we both playing St. Elizabeth. Now, Pops and Guillermo played for Incarnation. Okay. So we played against each other in the eighth grade, right? Um, the coach of St. E's decided that we was a good team. We did really well. He was like, we're going to play in in summer tournaments. So we played Baby Rucker. We played all over, you know, Kingdom. Every tournament we can get into, we was into. But he he merged both teams. So he had Incarnation, Pops, and Gio and them. And he had me, Claudio, and a couple other people from St. Elizabeth. He put them all together, and we went and played in all these tournaments. Mm. So as we play in these tournaments, you know, we taking the train, the bus, whatever we got to take. We having these conversations, right? 
So we decided we all going to the same high school. Right? Okay. This we is all going this to the same a, high school. This is a theme during the Dominican season. So yeah. Luis Guzman had a pact with his gaucho brothers. It didn't yeah. work out. Not not exactly, but okay, I'm I'm curious. Go so, ahead. <laughs> so we had we had we had that. We was like we're going to the same high school. And then I got my brother. I was like, Rick, we're going to the same high school. Rick went with us to go take the the, the entrance exam, the, the placement exam for, for Hayes. Oh, wait. So wait, he went. Your he brother was you going to go with you also. He was going to go. Oh. He was going to go. And then at last second, he was like, nah. So he was going to go. He went and took the test and everything. And he was like, last, last second, no. Me, I wasn't going to Hayes. So I had already made a pack with Ron Artest. Uh-huh. Right? That was going to go to LaSalle with him. Okay. Right? The twins, they were going to, I think Pops and, and Gio were going to go to Hayes. They were going to Hayes. The twins were going to go to Rice High School. Because we, we, Felipe Lopez is like a big brother to me, right? Yeah. Everybody know Felipe. Felipe Lopez spoke to them and was like, you need to come over here. Felipe was the biggest thing in New York back then. They were sold on the coach. Whatever he said. Love the twins. Yeah, anything Felipe said, everybody's like, all right, good. Yeah. So I was supposed to go to LaSalle. The twins supposed to go to Rice. Pops was to go to Hayes, right? The day I was supposed to go uh, take the entrance exam for LaSalle, I get on the train, go down there. It's like 8 in the morning. And where LaSalle is, downtown New York, you can you can get off the train, right? And without leaving the the, the, station. the station, like downstairs, you can just go back and get on the train, go back uptown. Mm-hmm. So I got off the train. I'm like, I'm going to go take this test. And then for some reason, I was like, you know what? I don't feel like doing this. And got back on the train and went back uptown. I never took the <laughs> test for LaSalle. I see, I see Ron Ron. I call him Ron Ron because yeah. I know him from back in the day. Now he's Metal World Peace. Right. Um, I see Ron, like, a week later in the tournament, he's like, yo, so how'd it go? I was like, I ain't take it. I ain't take the test. <laughs> he was pissed. Like, mad. <laughs> to this day, he's still mad. But then take the test. Like, throwing so shit mad? Because, I mean, when Ron Artest get mad, I'm sure it gets, you know, gets you, know, you know Ron Ron. Ron Ron, Ron, Ron has his, his days, right? Right. So, so now, I'm like, all right, where am I going to go? I'm not going to Dubs, right? I'm not going to G-Dubs. Why right? not? I told myself, I wasn't going to go there. Huh? Why not? I just felt like I felt like that was the the, expected the thing, thing to do. Yeah. Expected, right? Yeah, like go to Dubs, you know. They had a great team. My brother played on that team. It wasn't like it was anything bad about it. Yeah, they went far too with him, I think. But right? then my, yeah, yeah, they went to the finals. Yeah. They went to the finals a couple of times. But then my coach, Al Morales, was like, No, you're not going to Dubs. So then he was like, You're going to Hayes, you going you got Hayes. Like, let's let's go to Hayes. So I went to take the entry exam for them. The twins took the entry exam, and then we all decided we're all going to Hayes. Like they That's was like, forget funny. rice, we're all gonna play on the same team. Right, wow. so I get the Hayes, and so we're all on the same team. Freshman, freshman at Hayes, all of us, all the starting five is Dominican. Right? Yeah, well, uh, I didn't know about y'all. Starting, the starting five is Dominican. Protect this, I guess, even deeper because to this day, every time I go back and I see people I played against in high school, they was like, "Yo, y'all guys were crazy, man. Y'all used to speak Spanish on the court and all the yeah. what the hell y'all were doing? Y'all was crazy." <laughs> so we went up, we went up, we went. You know, freshman, JV, varsity. And then from there, went to, went to Rutgers, man. But it's crazy, man. Like, How did y'all do? Like you said. H- how did y'all compete? Like, you guys, the Dominican so, starting five. How was that? So, so we were good. We were good, JV. We won. But the thing is, is that we were competing. Hayes wasn't a basketball school. So, Tom Murray never recruited. Okay. He just, he just, he just, he, he worked with what he had. It okay. wasn't like. Rice High School recruits, Ohio's recruits, all those LaSalle recruits, all those schools recruit. Mm-hmm. We never recruited, you know? So we we were good. Like, we were competing against against these teams. But all the other teams had 
the best plays in the they city. Had, they had ringers. Like the best plays in the city. Right. You know what I mean? LaSalle, St. Raymond's. St. Raymond's, you imagine? St. Raymond's back in the day? You I know? know? Like, I was there. I was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? See? You know? So so we had to compete with teams that were recruiting kids from the from the age of 11, 10, 11, 12. Right. You know, we're playing with one of these kids that play gauchos. And we playing for Mr. Couch and Dykeman. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, that's not that. I mean, you you say it like that, but Mr. Couch is the truth. Oh, Mr. Couch is a legend, man. I love Mr. Couch, Sean, his son. You know, all them people up there, yeah. Kenny up in Dykeman. I love that's, that's my family, man. But yeah, man. Like so, so we we competed. It wasn't. I think when we played at Hayes, we would win. Obviously, because we was in the home court. But when we played at their place, it was it was, oh, okay. it was difficult. But we I went heard- to St. Rains, they got smacked. And tell me, tell me how true this is, right? And, is that- and you're so I, I've heard people say the the best player since Mashburn, Jeff Greer, mm-hmm. at, at Cardinal Hayes. Have you heard yeah. the same? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. You're gonna be humble. That's there's, fine. No, no, because there's there's a there's 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 a couple. Of, there's one other name that I know is really really a really good player, and they say that he's he's a spitting image of me. After I left. Who's that? And you might want to get him on your... I mean, I know you said it's too I'm late. Right, I'm James writing him James Feldin. Oh. James. He went to... Oh, I didn't realize he, he went, went to Hayes. He went to Hayes, man. He went to... And he's killing in Europe right now. Yo, son. I, I follow him heavy. He's... Yo, James. He's my James, Israel, Israeli go-to. Like, I watch Israeli yo, basketball for him. Yo, James. James is the real deal, man. Like, the real deal. So, so humble, quiet. And everybody was like, yo, there's this kid at Hayes. There's this kid at Hayes. He's just like you. And I was, I was in Europe. I was like, whatever. And then, yeah. so I'm playing. I was like, that's, that's, I like James, man. And, y- little, and y'all little, didn't know each bro. other coming up, right? We didn't know each other until man, after. I know, I know his older brother. I know uh, David. Okay. I didn't know James. Ah. Uh, he's younger. I mean, you know how it is when you yeah. growing up. You ain't trying to chill with nobody younger. Yeah, than nah, of course. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. Damn. All right. So, it, so, Cardinal Hayes was it. It was either LaSalle or Hayes. LaSalle Hayes, yeah. There was no other schools that you were considering. So I got accepted to I was I was really, really bright growing up. So I got accepted to Bronx Science. I took the exam for all like the, the I hate you. Whatever the, the, the specialty schools yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, those. Yeah, I hate you. Those, I hate <laughs> so you. I got accepted to Bronx Science. I think you had, I think it was three schools you took the test for. Yeah. And they took me into Bronx Science. It was either Bronx Science, uh, Hayes or LaSalle. Okay. Those are the three. They gave me the Heisman Bronx Science. Did they? Yeah, yeah. They wasn't feeling me. That's all right. I st- every time I wa- uh, roll by there, it's fuck yous all around. Yeah. Middle finger everywhere. <laughs> He's sticking middle fingers up yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, It's Yeah, uh, it's like uh, whatever. But anyway, forget about me. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So you get, you you do your, your Cardinal Hayes thing, and then it comes time for you to, to make an appearance, or not an appearance, but like decide on college. Yeah. How how does that process? Because now you know you kind of have the inside track with your brother going ahead of you, kind of figuring some stuff yeah. out. I wonder what what are those moments, those conversations, if any, um, between you. I imagine you're using him for counsel, or you're like, "Fuck Rick, I'm gonna do me," and so, I don't really care. So so funny thing is, is that me and Rick because he went to Cheshire, right? So we graduated the same year. But oh, he right. had decided. He decided to go to Pitt his junior year. So he decided early. Yeah. I was flying under the radar in New York. Okay. 
flying under the radar. Like I was all city first team, everything, but I wasn't getting offers like that. Like, why do, why do you until, think that is? Um, probably because of the the school I went to. Yeah, you know, I know I was getting letters, but I don't think like it's a it's a big it's a big story with with, with Coach Murray. But I don't think he was pushing me. He wanted me to go to Columbia. Like Columbia was recruiting me. That's the only person I heard him tell me, "Oh, they're recruiting you." Mm. But I knew there was other schools after me, right? Okay. Um, he wanted me to go to Columbia. I was like, I'm trying to get out the city. Um, Iona was hard. Like they were, they were front runners for a long time. Like I was, I was all in on Iona. My buddy Tariq Kirksey, who went to Rice High School, he went to Iona. Yeah. And I was all set on Iona. 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 Iona was my my thing, right? I was like New Rochelle. I went to a couple games. Um, the coach was super cool, but then the coach ended up getting a job at Providence College. Jeff Rulin, right? No, no, that Jeff Rulin was the one that came in after. Oh, yes. It okay. was Tim Welsh. Yes. Tim Welsh, I think his name yes, was. Yes, yes, Welsh yes. was his name. So Rulin, so after he took the job, I was like, damn, I really want it. Rulin heard about that. Rulin was like, yo, we need to meet. So we had like a, uh, <laughs> I want to say like a, secret meeting and behind a supermarket type thing where I got out the car, get into his car where you're not supposed to be. And it had, I'm not even going to beat around the bush. This happens all the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. Nobody wants to talk about it. Right? right. But it happens all the time. So he was like, I heard that, you know, you, you having second thoughts. And I was like, yeah, man, like, you know, I never even spoken to you. I've always spoken to, to coach Welsh. Like, I don't, I don't know if I really still want to go over there. Cause he's at Providence now. And the funny thing is, is that the coach of, found out later, the coach of Providence was recruiting me oh. too. But Mr. Murray, Coach Murray didn't never told me that. He didn't say nothing. So he didn't say yeah. nothing. So so we had that meeting and then my brother hits me up. And I go, he had that meeting. I go to a tournament. I do really, really well. And then now I have Georgia Tech. I have Iona, NC State, Rutgers, uh, Providence ended up starting recruiting me again. Um, there was a, a couple other schools, but I was all set on Georgia Tech. I wanted to play ACC. I wanted to play ACC, ACC. I wanted to play against Duke and North Carolina, right? Yep. Georgia Tech was my number one. Iona was the one that was, was recruiting me the hardest, but Georgia Tech was my, my number one. Bobby Kremens came out to see me play in an all-star game at St. John's against my brother, and he was like, yeah, we want you, but it's you. We have you and another kid at, um, at your position. The other kid, uh, Deion Glover, ended up signing at Georgia Tech, right? Mm -hmm. Deion Glover ended up playing against my brother at ABCD camp in the finals and scored 50 points. Yo. Deion Glover ended up ended up going and getting drafted by the Atlanta Hawks, oh. right? And Deion Glover, check this out. I got hurt in Israel, right? I hurt my knee. Guess who they brought in to replace me for two weeks? <laughs> Deion Glover, right? This is great. That's how the basketball community is so small. It's the tiny. basketball world is so tiny, right? So, so Dion Glover came to replace me in Israel. And it's crazy because the coach was trying to be sneaky about it. He was like, we're not going to bring nobody in the next day. Somebody that I practiced. I was like, yo, D. <laughs> yo, what like, up, oh, son? I know, I know it was you. The coach looked at me like, you know him? I was like, yep. I know him since I was 13. <laughs> but it, so I'm at Rutgers and my brother calls me. He's like, yo, so what you think? And I was like, I love it here. I love Rutgers. I love the campus. Um, I just, uh, Coach Lanier, uh, Coach Lanier was the coach that recruited me. I was like, he's the best. Came to my house. We would watch boxing, basketball games. Oh, wow. Share pizza. Like, he was cool as a fan. Still cool to this day. Like, anybody that talked to him, that knows Coach Lanier, 
cool as hell. So he was so he was an assistant under under Bannon. He was an assistant under Bannon. Then Danny Hurley was an assistant as well, and then Coach Kowalczyk was another assistant. Um, so Coach Lanier, um, Rob Lanier, recruited me. He was like, "Yeah, you know, show me around campus." The first night, Rick hits me up, and he's like, uh, "So what you think?" And I was like, "I love it here." He was like, "So what's what's holding you back?" Because he was all set on us playing in the Big East. He was all set. Okay. So he hit me with, "Look, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to influence your decision, but I really want to play against you, and I really want you to be in the Big East with me. I want us to destroy the Big East, right?" So I was like, "All right." Hung up the phone, called the coach, and I was like, right, "I'm coming to Rutgers, committed that that night after one day on the campus." Wow. He was like, "All right, all set." The next day, I signed my letter of intent. I was going to Rutgers. So there was no there was no media, no press. You know how kids no. in high school do nah, now? Nah, nah, nah. But that that wouldn't that wouldn't have been me. That wasn't that wasn't me. Especially back then, that was not me. I wouldn't I wouldn't have done that. It was just called the coach. I was like, Coach Lanier, I'm coming. I'm good. I'm coming to Rutgers. I love it here. You know, whatever you want to do, we went to a football game the next day. Whatever you want to do after that, it was crazy because I don't know if you remember. You remember Freaknik? Yeah. Back in the day. So yeah. all the people that was on campus at Rutgers, all the basketball players, went down to Freaknik. For the weekend, except for like three of them. The weekend that you signed. The weekend I signed. <laughs> Wait, did you meet them down there? No, nah, hell no. Nah. Uh, like, that would have been that would have been the gift of a lifetime. Story, right? <laughs> that would have been a story. But yeah, I signed that night. Uh, I signed my. No, I signed the next day. I, I, I gave my verbal that night, and then the rest is history, man. Then me and Rick start beating each other up in the Big East. What was there ever a conversation between you and Rick about going to Pitt? Um, I think during, during, after I signed, like, I think after my freshman year, because I was on all rookie team mm -hmm. with Ron Artest, Khalil Ali, me, me, my brother, and then there was a guy from Notre Dame, I forget his name. But, um, after that year, I had a really good year, and then Rick was telling me how his coach, Coach Willard, wanted him, wanted me yeah. to go over there, transfer. But the thing is, is that if you transfer this is back because of Pat Ewing. If you transfer in conference back in that day, not sit out one year. You have to sit out two years. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. In yeah, Oh, because it's in conference? Within the Big East. Just the Big East, though. That's it wasn't I, oh, it's just the Big East. It was just the Big East. And I was like, Rick, I'm not trying to sit out two years. Nah. Like, I'm not trying to do that. So that's the Patrick Ewing rule? Tell me about that. I don't, I don't that know was, about that. That was, I don't know where it came from. I'm thinking it's because of that, those type of, that back, Big East was the biggest conference back in the day. Right. Them in the ACC. So I'm thinking they put that rule because of that. Oh, okay. They didn't want the people transferring, you know, transferring inside the Big East because of that for that reason. So it was two years you had to sit out. Damn. But then, like, like right after I graduated, they stopped all that. Shit. So you you did some some work in uh, in the Big East, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, so the real the realization of you and your brother killing the Big East actually took place. Like you guys fared really I mean, well. So we would, I think it was the competitiveness in us. Like I would, he would, we would talk after every game. Every game we would talk. Like, so what you do? I had this. What you would you have? I had this. Well, how come you didn't have this? Uh, or if he had 18 and I had 14, I'm trying to get 22 next game. You know what I mean? Like right. stuff like that. Like, and then when we played against each other, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the videos of people driving up there with, Bamboras and guidas yeah. and, and flags and everything and like it was it was you have to show up, but you go up in New York and you play in the park tournaments you have to show up anyway. Right. So You're Big East was it. just like, next step, let's go, let's do this. Mm. Are, are you? 
so obviously you you're happy with the decision you made to go to Rutgers. Yeah. Um, was there any adversity for you in that transition? But you know, so like, a you moving from high school to college, one transition, but just every all the baggage, all the difficulties that you experienced growing up with, you know, for a good part of your life at that point without your mom. What what was that experience like? Because it's it's a graduation on a, a variety of levels for you, given your circumstances. I'm curious, like how hard or how difficult was it for you? Um, it's crazy because I think about this all the time. But I think about the way my kids are growing up and the way I grew up. Like I grew up, and I think the Heights, New York, kind of molded me and made me into that person to persevere, you know what I mean? To get through it, especially my circumstances when I was young, you know, what happened with my mom, my sister raising me, you know, I think it gave me that, that ability to focus and be like, yo, I want better. I want to get out of this situation. You know, I want to, I want to go above and beyond and hopefully make the NBA one day. And that was, that was what was on my mind when I was running those, those six minute miles at Rutgers, you know, that we had to do. When I was getting up at five in the morning because somebody missed class, that was what was keeping me going forward. Was that like I need I need to do this? Like it's not like I have anything to fall back on. You have to do it. You feel what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel like all the 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 hardships I went through when I was young prepared me for when I got to college because I feel like I feel like there was nothing that was going to hold me back. There was nothing that was going to keep me down. How much of that then, do you? How much of that do you keep now? Like that sense of like, yo, I gotta go, I gotta get it done. Like, cause I, it's it's got to be something that carries over, right? It does. It carries over, and I feel like that's why I was able to transition to professional basketball. Yeah, not the NBA, you know, but I played sixteen seasons. Yo, that's you know a what I mean? Yeah. There's not many basketball players anywhere. NBA, any league that say that, you know? Yeah. And it was just the perseverance. Like, all right, I had a bad year, a bad season, a bad game. Let's go to the next one. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't the end of the world. Like, I've, I've been, I've been through, worse. through worse. Yeah. I've been through worse. Like, I've been through worse. And then, you know, and it was always that I'm going to give 100. I'm going to give 100 whenever I'm out there because you never know, you know? And for me, I always told myself, I'm not supposed to be here. We just had the conversation earlier. Like, where yeah. would I have been? I always told myself, I'm not supposed to be here. So I'm going to make the most of this. Damn. I make the most of it while I'm here. That's tough. It's a tough thing to realize about yourself. Like, you, you hear people say it all the time. Like, I, I mean, I've caught myself saying it. Like, I've been fortunate to work in places and live in places that could never imagine, right? And so yes. I say it all the time. It's like, pinch me. Like, I'm really not supposed to be here. And, yeah. and it does. It does serve as motivation. But when you're... 18, 19, 20, I, it's, I mean, I think you're an exception because you had some situations happen that made you appreciate things a lot sooner than I think a lot of us do. But it's interesting to me, like, how you took that and you ran with it for real, right? Like, it wasn't just talk. It was, it was, I mean, there's a lot of factors, man. Like, there's a lot of people that I didn't want to let down. Like, I didn't want to let my sister down. I didn't want to let my godmother down. I didn't want to let my friends down. Like, there's a lot of people I didn't want to, people from the Heights, I didn't want to let my, my, my neighborhood down. Like, those people driving eight hours to come see us play at pit. Like, I didn't want to let them people down. Like, so there's a lot of things pushing you, you know, but at, at some point, you know, when those people aren't there, you got to be able to push yourself. You got to right. do something inside of you. You got to tell you, get it done. 
You know what I mean? Like, I remember having a conversation with Rick. Like, this is like a week after my mom passed. I think we had just come back from um from the funeral, right? And we're sitting in our bug beds. Um, and he's like, yo, promise me something. He was like, promise me that you don't get caught up in drugs or anything like that. At that at that point. And I was like, Yeah, you do the same to, for me. Right. At that point. And we were young, like, and I still remember it to this day. Damn. You know? Like we we promised that to each other and we never did. Never did. You know what I mean? And that's that's a uh I gotta I gotta you know tip my hat to to my brother because he pushed me and I pushed him, but also the people in our neighborhood, like the people in our neighborhood, they would never let us do that. Wow. They were taking care of us. They so- was like, yo, get off the corner. Yo, don't you got a game? Yo, go to sleep. You know, you gotta wake up early. You gotta be over here in the morning. You know, like stuff like that, which is great. Like, it's great. It's it's so different now because um, you you guys had and I think I, and I'm you know we're I think we're a few months uh, away from each other as far as age goes, and I think our generation and previous generations before us, like there was a, in like a organic sense of respect for your elders, right? Or yes. or just people in general. But like, you know, you fuck around with your friends and like snap on each other and that kind of thing. But for the most part, it was all love. But when the, you know, the elders in the community to start telling you something, your first reaction is not, yo, fuck you, mind your business. Yeah. No, it's more yeah. like, I right, I might not agree with it. I'm going to eat it and I'm going to go, you know, do what I got to do. And and yeah. I don't I don't I feel like this that's missing in society. Like when I look around and I, I just observe this this a this high level of entitlement. Like if if this was you now, and you were in that same mind frame as as the kids that I'm seeing around now, like I think the situation would be very different. For sure, and I feel like I feel like the kids now the way they're growing up, and I got kids. I know you got kids. Yeah, the way they're growing up is so much different than when we when we were growing up. You know, like we we had conversations. Like we didn't have the Facebooks and the, the Instagrams, and we we barely had phones that took pictures. You know what right. I mean? Like we barely had phones. We had two way pages. You know what I mean? Like right. stuff like that. So you had to have these conversations. I think that now, um, a lot of kids are not having those conversations, and that's where you earn the respect. Like when you go to somebody's house and you sit down, and not everybody's on their phones. You know you're listening to elders speak or you listen to somebody speak and you're like, damn, that person has some wisdom. Mm. And that person's been on this earth. That doesn't happen a lot these days. Oh, that's yeah. where you gain the respect from. You know that's, what I mean? That's a hot take. That's really true. You know what I mean? It's yeah. true. Like you, now you go to somebody's house for a barbecue or something, everybody on their phone. Nobody talking. Nobody like, yo, what's Shit, up? That's real. What's up, grandma? How your day been? Right. <laughs> Tell me something. Do you feel me? <laughs> and that's what, I think that's what, that, that's what a respect is lost, you know what I mean? Whereas back in the day, it was like grandma, grandpa spoke or elder spoke, and you're like, oh, we gotta listen. Yeah, shit. And that's now everybody so caught up in their, in their own stuff, man. That's so true. I mean, it's funny because I mean, we're all to blame now. We're all to blame because my, my, it's not. A, I don't know if it's a. It's a. It's just is what it is. It I don't is know if it's it such is. a bad thing, man. Because yeah. that's the way the world's moving. It's, it's just different. Technology, it's different. Yeah. So so tell me what what was your first experience involving yourself with the Dominican basketball world? So I think we mentioned it before um before the whole two day fiasco I had. Yeah. But <laughs> technical difficulties. <laughs> technical difficulties. Technical difficulties, yeah. But um my first introduction was with 
um, agent back in the day, primarily Dominican Republic was Pedro Pablo. Pedro Pablo lives in the Heights, from the Heights too, right? Um, really, really close to Lou Flores. Yeah. Um, he obviously knew of me and he was like, yo, we want to get you out to DR. Got me the play out there in the league when I was, I think I was 17 or 16. This was before I went to school. Wow. I went out there and played. Before I went to college. Went out there and played. And then I would go back. Um, I would go back in the summertime and play mm. for money, though. Like yeah. this was after the fact, after college. I mean, after, I mean, I while I was in, um, while, I think while I was in college, I would go back out there. Oh, and like the summers and whatnot. In the summers, in the summers, right? And, um, Wait, is that were you breaking NCAA rules at that point? Ooh, you can't get busted for that now, right? We don't have to edit that out, right? <laughs> Told y'all to go hold back. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we went out there, man, and 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 then after playing a couple of seasons, then they wanted me to do the national team. I played with the national team, uh, and then I just kept I kept going back. Like it was it was. It was easy. It was easy to go out there. You know, I already had a name. Um, my brother played on a national team with me. First first time I went, we played on the same team. We played for San Carlo. And then I got drafted or traded to Lo Prado. And Lo, back in the day, Lo Prado was one of the richest teams. So it was it was lovely, like love. <laughs> and then and then played on the national team. Um, and then from there, just just... It went. Then me and my brother went back. We played for La Vega. Like we did a whole bunch of. Like we just kept going back. So what? What was the first? When was the first time you guys played together? Was it there in DR? Like on the same team? I think it was in La Vega. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was in La Vega. We played on the same team, and then, and then we played in Europe on the same team. I think the year after. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. So you you get to to graduate college yeah. right which by the way applause to you thank you <laughs> again I, I mentioned this often on the podcast um i i always look at the opportunity to play ball as something you have to like exploit right and it's yeah. a very limited window for you to do so if you have the talent to play at a high level and you get offered a scholarship to go play ball I don't know what you're doing if you're not getting a degree. Like I understand yeah. too that the the deck is stacked against the student athlete, so yeah. it's really difficult to balance all the things you need to do at that age. But when you're able to succeed, even if you have to come back a few years later and still make it happen, like it's it's a big that's actually, achievement. That's, that's actually what I did. Actually, what I did, like I came back and I finished up. Um, but that's 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 just another story that doesn't even involve basketball that just involved i mean it does but it, it's just it's a whole fiasco i have with my senior year but oh i mean if you want to get into it i can let's, let's get into it go ahead all right so so yeah i did i ended up graduating but my senior year at school like i had we had a whole bunch of issues when i was at school with my, with my coach and my team a lot of issues a lot of people don't know about that um but we had issues like we had uh a naked free throw running situation at school. What? We had, yeah, we had, so we were at Christmas break. I don't know if you, if you know, but Christmas break, um, when you're at college, nobody's on campus. Everybody goes home for Christmas break. Yeah. Except for athletes, sports teams, athletes, right? So we was on campus. Nobody's on campus. So it's boring. All we doing is practicing twice a day. Mm. And we, it's three hour practices twice a day. We don't, we, we like, 
So my coach had a a bright idea (laughs) to hold a competition. He was like, we're going to shoot free throws, right? Split the team up in two. He cleared the gym, right? Cleared everybody. We had a, a girl manager and he was like, you need to leave. Only the, the, the males, male managers can stay. It was only males in there, right? Wow. So it was like, split the team up in two, two free throw lines. And he was like, you got to shoot a free throw for every free throw you shoot. You got to do this. You got to take off article of clothing. For everyone you miss? For everyone you miss. <laughs> so, Yo, that's so crazy. We, we, we played the game. We did the thing. At the time, nobody, it was innocent. At the time, nobody knew what it was going to turn out to be. Right. Right? Um, so we played the game at the end, whoever was like in their, in their underwear, or whatever, had to run a suicide or something. Right. Yeah. So that happened. Um, I was cheating. Like I wasn't trying to run. So I was cheating, obviously. <laughs> um, that happened years later. The people that ended up having to run end up trying to sue the school and trying to go after the coach. The coach had to, and this is on my senior year. This happened like wow. my sophomore year, my freshman year, my senior year. That's when everything came out. Oh, I see. Wow. So this is one of the reasons why I didn't get a lot of looks to get to the NBA was because my coach was out the door. He was trying to, he was trying to save himself. Yeah. All the assistant coaches were looking for other gigs. And I was like, yo, I want to go to Portsmouth. I want to go over here, you know, but, wow. but yeah, man, like, but, and then my se- senior year, as far as academics goes, I was supposed to have a, a minor, right? So I'm thinking in my head, my academic, which is my fault because I should have done it myself. Yeah. My academic advisor is going to switch over my minor to what he said he was going to switch over it over to. So I took all the classes for the supposed minor, minor that I was supposed to have, right? My senior year. Come to find out, he never switched it over. So none of that so counted? Short, none of it counted. I was short <laughs> on credit. Wow. Right? So when I found out, I was like, Forget this. I'm done. I don't think that's what you said. I think you said fuck uh, uh, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was verbalized a little bit different. But I, I was like, man, fuck that. So, I was done. I was just done with the whole scandal. This and now, like, I can't even graduate on time. I was like, I'm done. Right. So I left. Damn. So wait. So where'd I you go? To, you went, I went straight back to, the- to the to, to the heights. I went back. I was in my apartment, my sister's apartment. And I was just on the couch doing nothing until until Pedro Pablo called. It was like, I got a gift for you in, in DR. And then years later, I went back and finished my degree. But I was just done, man. I was I was burnt out. I was depressed because I wasn't I wasn't going to Portsmouth. My brother went to Portsmouth. I felt like I had talent to, to at least get a look. Yeah. Tell, tell us I tell us about against. Portsmouth for those that don't know. Like, what what's so the significance? Portsmouth, Portsmouth is it's called Portsmouth, Portsmouth Invitational. Um, and what they do is they take uh, a lot of the seniors, the top seniors in the country, and they um, they put them in the same gym. And you guys just just run, play against each other, and scouts come, NBA scouts come, and they watch and they see who who who's good and who's not. And that's how they get your name out there. But every senior goes to Port, like most seniors go to Portsmouth. I was averaging, I think, fifteen points a game my senior year in the Big East. I should have gone to Portsmouth, right? You know what I mean, like right. so. I was mad about that. I was just, I was upset and I ended up leaving, leaving. I was like, I'm done. And my then, wife, and then my wife, years later, talked me back into it. Like, you need to finish your degree. Uh, nice. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I, and I did it. Nice. So, so you're sitting on the couch, Pedro Pablo gives you a shout. It's like, and you're not expecting yeah. it, right? You're just sitting I'm there not. like pissed. I'm just, I'm just like, I was, I was contemplating my next move. Yeah. I had missed the deadline to, to apply 
or to apply to go back at the time. To apply to go back to school to finish right. my degree. I finished the deadline. Right. Um, and then he just called and was like, yo, I got a gig. I was like, all right, let's do it. So that's when you crazy. began your pro career in DR. It's, it's crazy because I was actually at Rutgers when the whole 9-11 thing in 2001 happened. I was at Rutgers and I was staying with Meg and I was actually taking an exam in order to get a grade for a class that was going to help me to graduate. Mm-hmm. So I was on campus taking an exam and I was, I was on campus, took the exam. I was staying with Meg and then I got on the train to go head back to the city and the city, that's when the, the, the World Trade Center got hit and they stopped the train and was like, they're not letting any, any trains into the into World Trade Center right oh, now. Oh, right, because you took the path over. The, yeah, right. they're not letting any trains in. Um, and they let everybody off the train. I told Meg, Meg, can you come pick me up? Went back and then that's when we got back to her place and we saw the second plane hit the hit the World Trade. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. Wow. So I had to stay there for a couple of days because they wasn't letting no trains into the city. Wow. Yeah. So, so you, <clears throat> your first pro stop is in DR, and you said, I think you said San Carlo? San Carlo, yeah. How long were you playing professionally in DR? I guess that first round. I, so DR is mostly summer summertime. Right. So they don't have like a, a normal season like in Europe. Europe is, is August to, to I want to say, June. Oh, wow. Is, is that long? Season in Europe. Yeah, like end of August, you got to report, and then you come back. If you stay and play the finals, you're going to be there till the middle of June. Got it. So, so DR was only summer. DR was like, was like, uh, right, I'm going to go to DR for a month type of a thing. Right. I'm going to go to DR for three weeks and play so many games, you know? So it wasn't like a, it was an experience, but it wasn't like a normal European experience. Mm. It was just like, you go out there, they put you up in a hotel, you play two games a week, you practice three times a week or something like that. Um, and you do it. I did it for like th- three weeks at a time, a month at a time, and then come back home to the to the heights. And and so you're so that's what you're doing for a couple of years, or are you? Yeah. So all right. So when you when your off season is really long, then for for the time you're not playing over uh, in in Europe. So what are you yeah. doing when you're not hooping in DR? So when I'm not hooping in DR, I was usually playing in the city. So I was usually at Dykeman or. Rucker or Kingdom or something in the city, like some tournament in the city, just trying to stay in shape. Okay. And then once I established myself in Europe, then I stopped playing in park tournaments because I was like, I can't lose this money. Right. You know, I can't get hurt and lose money in Europe. So I'll play one game in the summer, one or two games here and there, but I wouldn't play play anything like a whole season right. of summer basketball. What would you say, given that we're in the summer now, I mean, it's all COVID up, so there's no yeah. summer basketball, but, like, what's your most vivid memory playing summer hoops in New York? I have so many, man. I, I, I remember playing with Dominican Power up mm-hmm. in Dykeman. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when Strick was on the team and when Strick would play games, it was always an event. Uh, I remember bringing my wife up there the first time, and she was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> You know, what the hell did you bring me to? And do I need security? Like, um, and then like, I just, I just loved it because it was, it was intimate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dykeman tournament is intimate. Like the fans are right on top of you. And like we mentioned before, you got to bring it, you got to play. 
I think one of my my biggest memories of Dykeman is one game I was playing and I wasn't it wasn't I wasn't shooting or I wasn't scoring or something. I was pissed the whole game. And then one game I have a video of this too. One game towards the end, they're bringing the ball up and I steal it and I go up and I throw it off the glass and I dunk it and the whole the crowd mobs the court and they're like oh, going crazy and I was like and the, but Kenny's like game is over this is over like it was just that's another memory and then another great memory of mine is I got to I had the chance to bring my son up to Dykeman oh that's dope you were and playing my nephew no I wasn't okay, playing you were this spectating is, this, is, this is this is I was getting inducted into the Dykeman Dykeman Hall of Fame okay. if you want, so to speak yeah. like the top 20 or 30 players in Dykeman and it was going to give me a plaque or something so I went up there that day because Kenny was like come up here I got some sneakers and something for you so I went up there but my nephew had a game my sister's son not not the one from back in the day, but he was like Younger right around one. the age with my son. Mm. So he had a game. So we went up to watch him and I was going to do everything at once. And then he was like, yo, that's your son? I was like, yeah. He was like, does he want to play? Give him some shorts. And so my son and my nephew are playing against each other on at the Dykeman, yes. on Dykeman dope. court. And I was like, man, full circle. It came full circle on that day. That's so dope. Damn. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Uh, so tell me, tell me about your career. I mean, it's 16 years of professional hoops. You obviously, and we're going to spend a little bit of time on this. Um, you, yeah. and you, you and your brother brokered away to play on the same team a couple of times. Yeah. And both times you won championships. Yes. For, for French teams. Yeah. What do you, so let's talk, let's take it to the first team. And I forget the name. It's a, Strasbourg. That's it. Strasbourg. Yeah. So Strasbourg, you guys are at the championship game, right? What are you guys talking about that game to get yourselves like ready to play and, and get this W? So it's crazy, man. Like this, it's bringing me chills. But me and Rick, we had everybody saw it on the court, and that's why a lot of teams wanted us to play on the same team together. But we had this connection. We, even when we played in Dykeman, you could see it. Like we had, we just had a connection, you know. And we should have played college basketball on the same team together. We should have done that. <laughs> could have been, it would have been sick. But yeah, the movie would have been like even more crazy. Yeah, it would have, it would have been crazy. <laughs> but we, um, we had, we've always had that connection. So when, when we started that season, I'm gonna go back to when we started that season before we even got to the championship, right? So I'm gonna give you the, the rundown of, of what happened. So Rick, Rick play for this coach, right? And I think I told you this earlier. Rick played for this coach um, and Eric Gerard, right, his first year. I played for another coach, played against Rick, did really well, right? The next year I signed on the same team again. I'm on the same team. Rick, no, Rick is in London. Rick comes the next year, my second year in, in playing pro. Rick comes from London and plays and comes to France because I've been talking my brother up crazy. So he plays in La Havre. I play for Vichy. We play against each other. I play well. He plays well. The year after, um, Rick goes. He plays super good. He goes to a bigger team. And then his coach at La Havre wants me to play for La Havre. Okay. Right? So brings me from Vichy to La Havre. Rick has moved on. So we're not playing on the same team. Right. I do well for him for two years there, a year and a half or whatever. Then... Eric Gerard, since we did well, he gets a job at a bigger team. Okay. And he's like, once he gets the job, the first two people we call 
is me and Rick. Get out. And he's like, I want you guys to play on the same team. That's funny. So now this is so he's he's architecting this. Yeah. So he's the this is my our fourth year of playing in Europe. So wait, so you started playing in Europe first? So I started in France, right? Okay. I started my first my first stop, right? Got it. So I got to France. I was replacing the guy, so I went there halfway through the season. Okay. Rick went to Kiev, right? Didn't work out. Then he went to London, I think. Yeah. He went to London and then he came to France. Okay. So I hit France before Rick did. Got it. So wait, who learned French first? Rick still don't know how to speak French. Yo, he told me he speaks French. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he does. He does. But you know, he'd be, he be mixing some Spanish in there. He'd be throwing everything in there. So you're the purer French speaker? I think so. All right. All I just right. don't, I just don't, don't like this. I don't speak much anyways, but I don't like to, I don't like to speak it. You don't, flo- don't like you don't floss it. your French too much. All right. I don't. Sorry. Right. So, so good I do, everybody, everybody's like, well, you speak French really good. I'm like, I know, but I just don't. But I'm chill. I'll, I'll use it when I have to. Yeah, right. right exactly. <laughs> so, so go ahead. So he architects so, this. He gives you guys a call. So he gives us a call. And obviously, after we get off the phone, we're like, yo, contract. I need to see something, like, whatever. And then I give Rick a call. I'm like, what, what you want to do? He was like, we doing this. We're going to get this money right. Like, as soon as they get this contract right, we get this money right. We're going to do this. So they came up with the, the money we wanted, and we ended up playing. But the funny thing about that team was, the year before, they had um, they were almost going to get relegated to the second division in France. So they had a horrible season. Right. Right. So they weren't expected to do anything when me and Rick signed. I think we weren't even expected to go into the playoffs. Right. They weren't expected to, to even make the playoffs that year. And so first day of practice, we're playing, playing, playing. I'm going to for a layup. And Rick, Rick is now on my team. Like we're playing against each other in practice, right? And I go for a layup and Rick tackles me, right? Yeah. I'm talking about like a full-on tackle, right? Ball flies everywhere. This Lithuanian dude on the team looked at Rick and was like, yo, Chill, that's me. your brother. <laughs> he was like, if you're going to do that to your brother, what are you going to do to me when I shoot a layup? Right. From that day, the rule was, we're not giving up layups. Like, you're not just going to lay it up, right? And that was the mentality the whole year. So we went through the, the lead that year. I'm talking about like, our mentality was like, yo, we got something to prove to everybody. Right? So your brother, was it on purpose to set the tone that he, yeah, he took you like out? he was our enforcer. He was the enforcer. Rick was our captain. He was our leader. He was our enforcer. And I just told everybody, like, yo, we we about winning. Like, And I got up. I was like, and you know, I got up. I was like, all right, that's my, obviously, we've been fighting growing up. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Done. I see how it is. And everybody was like, damn, these, these brothers are crazy. They fucking like, they, nuts. <laughs> But they trying to win. Like, they trying to win. Like, it was about competition. Like, yo, we're not going to let people just come up into our paint and shoot layups and do all this. Nah. And so everybody buckled down and was like, oh, we, we got something special here. We worked. Like, we worked. And we ended up breezing through the season, um, got to the playoffs. We beat the, the defending champion and then the, 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 the top EuroLeague team that year. Like we, just, like, we just went through everybody. Like, then we get to the finals and I just... When I look at Rick, I look at Rick, and he looked at me. He was like, "Yo, it's time to go. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's get it. Let's get it done." That's it. It wasn't even a, a lot of conversation. It was like, "Yo, we got to go get this." I right, bet we in. We in. Like it was. It got to that point where we just knew. And crazy part about it is that game. Our fans ended up end up arriving to halfway to the first half. We were getting beat by fourteen points at halftime. Like and then the, the championship half, game. We the, the championship game. Wow. And then and then. 
in the locker room, we look at each other, we're like, yo, we work hard to get here. Like, you know, every speech you can say in the locker yeah, room, yeah. we work to get here. Like, let's let's not let's not go out this way. And we came out the second half, we did the damn thing. That was the first one, man. That was it was special, man. That one was special. Was was that the, was, special. was that textbook move? Well, I'm asking. Um, you guys, the videos that I've seen, Rick will have the ball top of the key. He dribble penetrate to the you know toward the basket, kick out to you in the three point line, and you flush. That was pretty textbook yeah. for you guys. Like that what? was, yeah, it was. That was textbook. It was a way to keep people off balance because a lot of I don't know if you I've got a lot of highlights of him throwing lobs. So I would go back door too. Oh, okay. I haven't seen those. Yeah, yeah. So, so especially when I was in, when I was younger, like I would catch a lot, a lot. Like Rick would love throwing me lobs. Like, and I was the type of basketball player. I wasn't the type that would. You know how you have those players that you throw them a lob and they miss the ball, but they grab the rim. Yeah. Rick would love throwing me lobs because even if I couldn't dunk it, I would grab it, bring it down, and then go and back score. up. Got it. You know, like I wasn't like oh, like the whole take a picture. It looked yeah. like I'm going to dunk it, but the ball flew over my head. Type yeah. for, no. no, you secure the ball, and then you figure it out. I would grab it because I was like, you know, I'm going to score two points. I don't care right. if it's a dunk. It's right. going to be two points. Right. right? <laughs> so it was a lot of lives, a lot of, especially when I, when I was hot, Rick would look for me. He would be like, I'm, I'm finding my brother. Because he knew it was an assist for him. Right. Everybody, Both of y'all win. And the team won. Right. You know? All three of y'all, exactly. So so a few years so was, passed. So, so y'all get that chip. Yeah. What, what's what's the fanfare like for the Greer brothers after you guys pull that off? Because you said you guys weren't expected to do anything. We weren't expected, but we already had like a pretty good name. Like we both had really good seasons. I actually chose to go to, I chose to go to Strasbourg over Portes, which was the big Euroleague team that I was talking to you about. That was Euroleague before, like for years. Portes yeah. and and Asvel Villabon, those are the two top teams in, in France, and I turned them down to go to Strasbourg. And the coach at the time, or the GM, was like, this is the biggest mistake you've ever made oh, shit. in your career. right?" And I told my brother that. We ended up playing pole in the semifinals, and we beat him by 40. Because mm, we, we had it out for him. Like, we were, we were, it was, it was just, it was, we were on a mission that year. But yeah, I turned him down, and it was like, this is the biggest thing. And that was the biggest team in France. Biggest wow. team in France. And I turned him down, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go play with my brother. So so what? So were y'all like rock stars in France? Like um, I mean the story the story kind of sells itself, right? Like So Rick well, Rick Rick is is arguably Rick is arguably the most decorated foreign player to play in France. Wow. Wow. If you want to look it up, he's probably the most decorated foreign player to play in France. You know what's beautiful about this podcast? We don't look shit up. <laughs> Please don't clap for us. Don't clap for us. I'm a, I'm a clap for <laughs> no, but I, honestly, when I when I did um, look him up for for the episode that we did together, there was a lot of accolades. Yeah. I just didn't he, uh, know the context you provided though makes it even more interesting. Like that's he, crazy. Yeah, he he was. He, I think he was even voted that or something. They had something in like one of the basketball magazines, like who's the most decorated, and they just kept going by. This person, this person. I think Rick was like the most decorated foreign. If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. Damn. So, yeah. life, so life was good in France then, because I mean, you you had your own rep. He had his rep. I'm yeah. sure 
you know, it's just the way things go. Like, it's just an interesting story to tell whenever you can tell it, right? Successful yeah. brothers playing ball, doing doing big things. And then you guys set set the stage up for, and I know I'm skipping teams here, but you guys set the stage up to, to play second. together again. So the team that we beat, that first championship, right? Right. We beat that team, Nancy. Yep. We beat them, right? They... I wonder what happened. So they had made it to four championships. After we beat them that first time, mm-hmm. they made it to the championship three three years after that. So four times in a row, and they lost all four. Mm. So they lost to us first. We started the, cir- the cycle. Yep. Then they lost three more after that, right? And in those three years, we, me and Rick played on, we played one more year for Strasbourg, right? We didn't make it. We lost in the semifinals the second year. And then I think I went to Israel. I went somewhere else, right? And then we ended up hooking up in Nancy, and we make the finals. And it's the fifth time in a row. That they go to the finals, right? The fifth time. And so whole new team, whole new structure, like the people that they had there for the the four other times, not there anymore. Like, and we end up winning that. Mm. With Nancy. How big are them rings? You still got that hardware? I got. I nah, gave nah, my I don't, first you, you, don't, you don't need to show it. You don't need to show it. You, you send I, me a I picture got, later. I, so crazy. My wife is going to kill. She <laughs> talks about this all the time. But my first, because they don't give rings, they give medals out there. Oh, got it. So my first medal, I gave it away. <laughs> I gave it away to one of the fans. And I got my second one from Nancy. Damn. I that's got nice. that one. Shit. And then I and then me and Rick played again for Strasbourg. We went back to Strasbourg and we made the finals, but we lost. So uh, I got the silver medal. We got the silver one. But I don't know where that is. I don't even care about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I have I have them hung up. I have I have all my like my my the second championship. I was MVP mm-hmm. of yeah. the finals. And I, I want my MVP. I want to talk to you about that because um, again, okay. back to the same reoccurring theme here uh, from earlier in your high school days. You don't pass the ball, bro. You had 29 points that game, and you shot like 70%. I was hot. I was hot. I no, was hot no. You were on f- Rick, no. Rick. Hot, hot ain't the word. You was, you was, he- you were in hell. Cause yeah, I was, I was. Yo, bro, was 69% field goal so percentage? Crazy cause my first, my first championship with Strasburg, I couldn't hit nothing. Ah. Like, I, w- I couldn't hit anything. I think I hit my first three in the second half, and I think I ended up with like nine points for the whole game, right? Okay. The, the first championship. The second championship, for some reason, I don't know. I hit my first shot. And if Rick sees me hit my first shot, he knows it's gonna be a long day for the other team. Okay. So he just kept he kept he kept feeding me the ball. Like just give me the ball. And I was like, all right. And he kept telling me, shoot it. Shoot it until your arm falls off. <laughs> shoot it until your arm falls off. And like end of quarter, he would drive, like you said, drive to the middle, kick it out. And I was letting it fly. And everything was dropping that day. Damn. So everything so, was dropping. So the game ends, you get the MVP. Obviously, you guys win the championship. Oh, and by the way, Rick was the MVP of the other championship. Oh, so damn, that's crazy! <laughs> <laughs> yo, it's, yo, the 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 steel sharpened steel thing is yeah, man. super true with the Greer brothers. So, and so, that's the whole going back to com- competition. Like, if he had eighteen, uh, right? So I was like, oh, he got MVP. All right, I'm gonna get MVP. That's that's <laughs> dope. That's such a positive thing. Like you, a lot of people like encourage each other for some negative bullshit, but you guys yeah. are like making each other better. Yeah, we just pushed each other, man. So, so you were playing with um, Tony Parker's younger brother, right? Younger brother, TJ. Yeah, TJ. 
So I'm assuming Tony was around whenever he could be. Yeah. How, what did you learn anything? Like, were you guys kicking it? Like, what was that experience like? So he would come. TJ was really. I was. I'm really, really close to TJ. He's actually the coach of that team. I told you, uh, Villabon, Asvel Villabon. Oh, okay. He's a coach of that team now. Got it. So he's a coach now. TJ was super cool. He would come over to the house. We would hang out. You know, I would cook barbecue, whatever. My wife would cook for him. They also have a a a, a younger brother than TJ. Oh. Um, Terrence. Terrence is the youngest one. Terrence would come over too, and he he played ball, but he played in the lower division in France. Mm. Um. When Tony would come over, we would go have lunch, you know, at a restaurant. TJ would be like, yo, my brother's in town. Let's go take him out to this restaurant. So we would we would hang out. Like, it was it was cool, you know. TJ, TJ, I think, TJ is a cool dude, man. Cool dude. But he was, he was my backup. Oh, okay. He was my backup. Got it. Yeah. Man. So when you look back, um, and I know, well, I'm assuming you're retired at this point. Is that confirmed? I'm done. You're, you're officially retired. Official. I still get offers to go back. But I, I don't blame you. I mean, you're what? You're 40? 40, 41-ish? Yeah, 40. So, and, and that's that's interesting because, I mean, at 40, I mean, I, I didn't play at any level other than eighth grade, kid. I used to kill a bench in eighth grade. Oh, did you? Did oh, you? Man, I still got splinters <laughs> in my ass right now. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, I didn't, even, I didn't even tell you about this one. This is this is the cool one, right? This is This is the other the other side of it. So I think was it my, the second championship? I think it was the first championship. So the first, the first championship. First or the second? So many chips. It was the first one. It was the first one. It was the first one. So, so we're about. Remember, you asked me like, what do you say to each other before the game? Yeah. So we're we're about to tip off, right? And um, we're about to they're about to tip off the game, and and all you hear is yo Rick, right? Yeah. And so we both, I'm like, who the hell no Rick? Like we in Paris, like in Bercy Stadium. Who know? We turn around. It's Steven Jackson. No. Oh, he played with y'all in DR, right? So he played with Rick in San Carlo, right? Uh... And and crazy part about it is when I was in college, Steven Jackson was playing for the Nets. So right. he would come over to the house and spend Thanksgiving <laughs> with us, you know, and all that. So we were we were all cool. We would play spades. Like we, so we turn around and we like, yo. Stephen Jack, what you doing here? I was like, oh, I heard my, I heard my boys was in the championship, so I can. He was with Antoine Walker. No, they really just yeah, came to both, watch y'all. They, they just showed up to watch the game. I swear to you, wow. They just came, and obviously that night after we won the championship was a night. Oh, it was a night. Like, I, I we, can only oh imagine. <laughs> we, it was crazy. Like, but yeah, man, it was crazy because we both turned around. I was like. What the hell are you doing here? He was that's like, we heard so... y'all was in the y'all was in the championship, so we came to support. I was like, man, that's crazy. Yo. Everybody looking at us like, yo, these Greer brothers, man. Yeah, they something special. <laughs> yeah, that's so dope. So you looking back? Are there any regrets? So there's one. There's one. There's. I don't really look back and have regrets. I wish I would have tried for the NBA harder. That's what I wish. I wish I would have taken back in the day. I had an agent that was going to set me up um, to work out in Denver and then do summer league and all that stuff. And I was young. I was making real good money. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like I'm not, this is my summer. I'm gonna go back to the city. I'm gonna play in the Dykeman tournament and do all this other stuff that I should have been focused on making the league. Wow. You know? 
um, played against Raja Bell when I was the Dominican national team. And he's telling me, yo, what team you play for in the league? And I'm like, I don't play in the league. I play in Europe. He's like, wait, you don't play in the league? Like, hold on. I got to call my agent. Called his agent. I was like, yo, I got this guy right here. You need to sign him right now. You need to get him on the team. Like that type of. Wow. So when, I, when other people are approaching me and telling me like, you need, you should have been in the NBA. You should be doing this. Um, even like players on my, my team, like the team I played for in Europe, even when I was like 38, 36, 37, they're like, yo, I don't understand how you didn't play in the NBA. So that's my only regret that I didn't try hard enough. Like I didn't buckle down and, and, and be like, you know what? I'm going to give it all, my all. I didn't want to do the, the D league back in the day. Yeah. I didn't want to do all that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. I just wanted, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play, you know, but that's my only regret is that I didn't, I didn't take at least one summer to dedicate it to playing summer league and then trying to make it on a team. Shit. Damn. That's crazy. Besides that, my, my, my career was beautiful, man. It was sounds like it. It was beautiful. Well, well, we'll learn more about it when the movie comes out. Oh, did I just put that in the air? <laughs> I don't even want executive producer credit. I just want to nah, want honorable mention. Like, oh, you gonna get, he put you it gonna in get the some air. sort of credit. You're going to get some sort of credit. It's crazy because Rick, Rick just, we have a group chat with my boys I was talking about with the twins and Pops yeah. and Gio and them. We all have a group chat together. And Rick just said that two days ago. There you go. It's coming. He was like, yo. Yo, I need. I, we need to make a movie. I was like, let's start with a book. I'll make a movie out of the, from the book. Yeah, I think the movie might be easier to put together because writing sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I mean, you got to put know. a script together regardless, but whatever. Yeah. Um. All right. My final question for you. Um. You're, you're retired. You're you're quote unquote an average Joe now. Hmm. How's the, how was the transition or how has been how has the transition been for you post your your playing career like getting back into I like this question normal society like what what's that been like I like this question so damn so you didn't like any so, of the other ones this is the only one no no <laughs> this is this is a good one because I have a good I have I, I think about this all the time that's why I'm like yeah I'm I'm, I'm ready for this one yeah but I don't know did you watch Kobe's last game shit many times so I've, I've i watched it live right and from playing ball i could tell that he was every all the every ounce of basketball that he had in him was coming out on that last night yep every ounce you can see it you can see it in his face you can see it in like it was just a, for me it was so and i'm not a huge kobe fan you know but i'm a huge basketball fan yep. and i could see the basketball. And I became a huge Kobe fan that day. I was like, this dude is pouring his every ounce of basketball out tonight. And, uh, and for, I'm good friends with, with a close relative of Kobe. And I feel the same way. I felt like I gave everything to the game. Like I gave everything that I had and I could walk away really, really content with what I gave to it and what it gave to me. You know, and the doors that it opened for me. So when I walked away, no lie, I didn't touch a basketball for two years after I retired. Neither, I didn't go in the gym. You were just like, yeah. I didn't go. In, I didn't go. I didn't go. I would work my son out. Like I would do like individual workout, okay. but like play basketball or go work out or shoot by myself for two years after. Because I was like, I'm good. I didn't watch it. 
You didn't, didn't watch it? Second. I didn't watch it. Wow. I watched, no, you know why I'm lying. I watch college basketball. I didn't watch NBA. Okay. Um. Yeah, like I was, I was good, and everybody asked me. Like even my wife was like, "Why are you not playing? Like why are you not going to the gym and shooting? You always shoot." And I was like, "I don't really feel like it." But now I'm starting to get, get the itch. Now I'm starting to get back back to it. You know, like getting that itch back. But I felt like I poured everything into into it into basketball, and, you, and so it gave me a whole bunch too. That's it's a be- that's a beautiful ending. Like because <clears throat> all too often. Now, I mean, I hear this. I don't know this for a fact, but I hear so many stories where players, for one, whatever reason, had to retire before they were ready, right? And injuries or getting cut or yep. whatever, and a dream not fulfilled, right? And so mm-hmm. when you leave not on your own terms in anything, there's a sense of, I mean, some people do experience depression from it, um, but there's like this void, right? For you to be able to leave and not have a void, like yeah. it's it's a beautiful way to, it's a beautiful to cap it off. It's a beautiful thing, man. And and for me, it's like it's like if I would, who knows if I would have made made the league if I would have played sixteen seasons. Like I played sixteen. I look back and I'm like I played sixteen seasons yeah, professional basketball season. That's crazy. No real injuries. Wow, that's crazy. No real injuries. Like, I met my wife from Hawaii through basketball, going to Rutgers. My kids speak French. You know, my kids were able to see me play, and, like, they were in the the French school system. My daughter was born in France. Like, I still have friends that invite me over, and and they want me to go stay with them in in Paris and all. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's it's just, I don't know if my world would have opened up like this, if I would have made it to the NBA. Yeah. You know what I mean? So true. So tell me, tell me about when I say transition. So that's one part of it. Now you're, now you're in normal society having, you know, quote unquote, a regular job. Um, Was that at all difficult? Cause we talked a little bit about this off air, the transition, like if you just thinking about resume, right? Yeah. You, your experience in the real world happens to be I this is my field goal percentage. Here's how many assists I've had. Here's how many career yeah, games I've played. Zero. Right. So like how do you how do you translate what you've done into a regular job, quote unquote? So so for me I was I was excited for it. Like because my my life since the age of five was basketball and games and practice. So I was excited to be in that setting where you have meetings and you're in an office, you have your own office, you have meetings and you have, you know, people you have to report to, you have people that report to you, like all that stuff I was looking forward to doing. So when I went into the, into that, that scenario, that, that, that stage in my life, I was, it was another challenge for me. It was like, yes, this is an, another chapter and I need, I need to go in it in the same way I went in with basketball. Like I'm a killer. So when I, uh, when I presented when I when I presented myself to people, yeah, I didn't have the the real world experience as far as job experience. But as soon as I sat down for an interview, the people could tell that I had life experience. Yeah, and that's what I translated it to. And I was like, you know, what I lack in job experience, I have in life experience. And I'm cultured and traveled, and I know all these different cultures, and I'm relatable. I can relate to anybody. 
And that's why I moved up so fast. Like I started front desk at MGM and now I'm a, a hotel manager. You oh, know what wow. I mean? Like, and that's in the span of three years. People spend seven, eight years trying to do that. Wow. You know, like, and I did it in, in two, two years. And everybody, I tell them, I tell them that in, at the hotel, I'm t- I tell them that all the time. They're like, yo, how'd you do that so fast? And I was like, yo, just buckle down and work. You work. And if you're a good person and you honest with people, you know, real recognizes real. And they were like, yo, we want you to work this job. And then we're going to promote you over here. We're going to do this. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult. It was a challenge. And I know that most people that play for that long, they, they funnel into being an agent or being a coach, which is something that I aspire to do and I love doing. But, um, but I also love what I'm doing too. Like I get to meet people from all over the world. I get to relate to everybody, you know, and I work with great people as well. I was getting you answered the question. I was going to say my real final question was going to be, are the Greer brothers going to be coaching together at some point in the future? Rick is dying for me to go <laughs> coach with him. I don't know if I want to coach college. I know I want to coach kids Yeah, because I had influential coaches when I, was, when I was young and I want to do the same. Um, I've already started doing it, but I don't think I'm done doing it, but I know I'm going to end up, we're going to end up coaching somewhere. I know it's going to happen. Rick is a really, really good coach. He has a really good name out there. He's going to get a head coaching job somewhere really, really soon. And I know I'm going to be the first person he calls. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be like, yo, stop Um, playing. Stop playing. Let's go. And then then who knows where that's going to be. Right now, I'm focused on on, on my family, my job, you know, keeping everybody good, um, trying to get my kids into sports, stuff like that. Hopefully you can coach at UNLV. I'll take the job in a second. <laughs> it's down the street. <laughs> <laughs> right down the street. But yo, Jeff, right man. Cool. Yo, it was it was amazing to learn about your story. Um, I I'm glad that we were able to get back in, connect yeah, and do man. this. Um I look forward to when life becomes normal again to some degree. Um I I've been dreaming to go to summer league for many years. This was gonna be the summer, and look yeah. what happened. So hopefully next next summer I might even see you out there. So for sure, man. If you do come out here, please, please hit me up. I go to summer league every year, every year. Trust me, I will. It's you're like one of the only people I know that actually lives there. So trust you getting a phone call, <laughs> me. and you can block it. It's fine. I'm persistent. Don't no, worry I'm about it. it. <laughs> I'm not blocking it. We family now, man. Bad, my dude. Thank you, man. Yo, listen. Man, thank you for having me. Lo- love is love, man. I hope I hope you and the fam. Uh, Stay sane through all this stuff and uh, keep moving, man. I know there's still greater things for you to grab and, and do. So try, man. looking forward to seeing your name in, in more and more lights. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, bro. You be easy. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now check us out on social media as well we're live on twitter instagram and youtube on all platforms you can find us at d-r-i-double-b-l-e-n-d-i-m-e-s